I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette. Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette, and today I'm chatting to Mark Rowland. He's the Chief Executive of the Mental Health Foundation. And he's also the co-chair of the Mental Health and Smoking Partnership. We're going to be chatting about the links between smoking and mental ill health. In my in my day job, I'm the chief executive of the Mental Health Foundation, as you know. Um, but I've just taken on a, a new new role as co-chair of the Mental Health and Smoking Partnership, and uh, that's an organisation that's run um, or brings together maybe 25 different organisations, all trying to campaign, raise the profile of the links between smoking and mental health and um, trying to kind of, I suppose, put in the public domain things that people may not realise. And I think probably the first thing to say is that if you look at smoking in the UK, it's a public health success over the last 20 years. Um, so I don't know if you remember, but I'm old enough to remember the 1990s. And, you know, when I was at Sixth Form College in the 1990s, about you know, about 30 percent, just under 30 percent of people smoked. It was amazing. You could smoke in pubs. You could smoke in restaurants. It wasn't a problem. There were, there were little smoking bays. You couldn't smoke in the Sixth Form College. Um, now, since then, we've seen smoking rates really decline and we've, we're at about 14 percent in so over over half uh, in the UK and that's some of the best rates in the whole of Europe really progressive legislation so we've really seen smoking rates uh, fall away dramatically Um, but the the intersection with mental health is that there are still about a million people in the UK with a mental health condition mental health problem uh, that smoke and the and the rates 
if you if you do suffer from poor mental health are around double that of the rest of the population. So around 30% of people with mental health problems smoke. So there's this big disparity. And that's something that we want to address. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really surprising, isn't it? Because um, I looked at some of the stats and so people living with depression are twice as likely to, sp- to smoke as people without depression. And I think people with schizophrenia are three times more likely to smoke um, than those not living with their mental illness. Um, do we know why people with mental health problems are more likely to smoke or do we have sort of some ideas why it might be? Yeah, it, it's it's complicated. And then the relationship is in both directions. Um, but we've had the, the history is really interesting because we've had a history where in um, psychiatric hospitals or mental health units, the view has been over the years that's that smoking is kind of a it's a necessary evil and it's been a almost uh, accepted as a as a crutch to help people through a really difficult time and i think about 10% of smokers currently in the uk with a mental health problem actually started smoking it in hospital so right from the 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 sort of context of health settings there has been an exception in relation to smoking which you pro- you would never do with someone with heart disease you wouldn't sort of offer or given someone who's just been under heart operation the opportunity to smoke in hospital or cancer or or any form of respiratory disease but the attitude was very different in relation to mental health and that is because obviously smoking does give a short-term relative reduction in levels of anxiety and levels of stress and and i think for many of us who have gone through periods of poor mental health an option to be able to relieve acute distress is something that we often take. So there is an understandable relationship in smoking being used as a coping mechanism through uh, to, to, that people have leaned on um, during periods of mental ill health. Mm. And tell us about the link between smoking and psychosis, because that's that's something, again, when I was sort of doing research before this, that really sort of surprised me, because I think, as you sort of said in there, a lot of people see smoking as uh, almost, well, no one sees it, sees it as a harmless thing in terms of the physical side. I think everyone sort of knows all the terrible, you know, the things that it can cause. But in terms of relieving stress, like you, you said, I mean, it's it, it is strange, isn't it, how that sort of happened? But, yeah, I think people kind of understand it in that context, but it, it can actually trigger psychosis in some people can't it i think it's been quite clearly proven that um that that smoking as you say damages your physical health but it's seen as a sort of lesser of a lesser of two evils and to take some sort of short-term emotional comfort Um, but actually what we've seen is that smoking increases over the long term your experiences of stress it's not a sustainable form of coping it actually exacerbates um, both stress and, and and depression, but in relation to schizophrenia, you know the 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 study in Bristol looked at smoking as a causal factor for the experience of depression and schizophrenia, and that is a relatively new insight that it's not just that smoking exacerbates poor mental health, but could actually and certainly does increase your risk. Uh, of, of schizophrenia or depression in something like the range of it was something between 50 and 125 percent so it's difficult to get an exact measure on it and 
I, I'm not sure we completely understand the neurological pathways that or the causal pathways um, between smoking and experience of a major depressive episode or an experience of schizophrenia. And as with all things in relation to mental health, it's very unlikely to be just one thing. And you're not going to cigarette one day and find that you arrive at an experience of psychosis. Um, but it is really clear that um, that smoking adds to the risk, the risk factor of having a psychotic episode. And um, that's something that um, many people don't know and probably wouldn't know. There's there's big warnings on the cigarette packet, but um, the impact on your mental health isn't one of them. That's it. I mean, those warnings, they're always very physical, aren't they? It's always, you know, really sort of grim pictures of, um, you know, forms of cancer or, you know, this is what your lungs will look like, all, all those sorts of things. But, yeah, I was really just really surprised um, by the, yeah, by the information about sort of the possible link to psychosis. Um, how else can smoking affect people's mental health? Well, maybe, yeah, I mean, I think um, there, there's sort of, there's two, there's two aspects, isn't there? I think, obviously, um, we know, we know that there's a really big link between um, smoking and poverty, and both of those links uh, go hand in hand with mental health, because we know that the the poorer you are, the more more likely you are to experience poor mental health. So one of the big sort of messages that we're also really keen to uh, to share with people is is that actually poverty is is strongly related to that that smoking can lead people into poverty. It's such an expensive habit to have, um, but it also can work the other way around, in which. Um, being in poverty also increases your likelihood to smoke and and the, and the mental health um, consequences of that. So, you know, I think that the the major impacts of smoking relate to um, effectively. I think what we see is that it can prevent it can prevent or stunt the journey to recovery, and that's what many people who work with us have found in relation to smoking because it provides a short-term um, relief but it delays the longer-term recovery and the work required to look at what other things for you uh, that will help you sustainably support your mental health and recover into the future and that uh, that there that is the the, the sort of major findings that um, that we're finding. That is really interesting. And I suppose that that is really crucial to kind of argue against the, the view that um, banning smoking in uh, mental health hospitals is somehow cruel. Because I, I know when that was, I can't remember when that was brought in or when it was discussed, but I definitely heard um, from people in the mental health community, some people felt very strongly that it should still be allowed because they did find sort of really short-term relief in it and, and that as you were sort of also talking about poverty, I mean, situations that are very stressful, you, you, I guess there's a feeling that, you know, if it, you can get some short term relief, it's, you know, almost where's the harm. But, um, mm. yeah, mm. it's interesting, isn't it? Absolutely. It, absolutely. And, and it is sensitive because I think um, there has been a resistance, even with those working within the mental health system, there was something like 60 or 60% of of people working who were health professionals felt that that people with mental health problems should have the ability to uh, smoke in a in an inpatient setting 
And so we do need a lot of training uh, of of health workers to really support the message and understand just the longer term consequences of a policy like that, that it, it doesn't it doesn't build up confidence. One of the things that's correlated with with smoking is is a lower self-esteem. And, and so we 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 really do need that message to come through to people um, that uh, that stopping smoking is a big part of the recovery because that's the flip side of it is the mental health benefits of stopping smoking are really, really clear. They're associated with higher self-esteem. They're associated with um, symptoms of depression. Stopping smoking, we think, has about the same impact as antidepressant. So, you know, it's a little ironic that you'd have patients in an inpatient setting taking medication, but essentially offsetting that with smoking. So we, you know, it's a really, really fundamental part uh, of, uh, of people's journey. Maybe could I just add as well, Yvette, that the, the relationship with mental health is also so linked to physical health because we know that obviously smoking leads to, uh, it's the biggest cause of preventable death in the world still, which is quite something given, given a pandemic. Um, and so, what we're seeing is that if you have a long-term physical condition, that will definitely impact your your mental health and put put a, a real strain on your mental health. So I think one of the one of the key one of the key points that we want to make is 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 that if we're going to close this mortality gap, if you if you experience a mental health problem, especially if it's a serious mental illness, your life expectancy is cut from something between ten and twenty years. And and we think smoking is is about two thirds of that life except that life expectancy gap. So if we're going to close the mortality gap, we have to reduce the, the smoking rates. And I don't think that message has really got through to professionals that if we really are going to address this huge health inequality, that people with mental health problems are dying ten or twenty years earlier than other people. We've got to address. Uh, the disparities in smoking that's really interesting because yeah i've definitely sort of heard that banded about before in terms of yeah people with long-term mental health issues are basically expected to die at, like younger and sort of me with bipolar disorder i sort of i think that's sort of meant to be about 10 10 i don't know if it's 10 15 years younger um but it's interesting that you sort of hear that banded about but there's no real explanation as to why um, I mean, I always kind of assumed that it was maybe stuff to do with, you know, things that could possibly happen if I have low mood, you know, propensity to things like that, or maybe things to do with medication or I've got, yeah, but the idea that actually it could be to do with, you know, that I'd be more likely to be a smoker and then that cuts my life short. Mm. That's really interesting. Mm. No, the smoking is by far the biggest contributor, much, much more significant than than suicide which you wouldn't necessarily assume but that 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 is the it's the single biggest contributor to that life expectancy gap and i think it's important that people understand that because it gives it, it gives people in some some way something tangible to be able to um address if 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 they can which we can come on to in terms of the support that's needed yeah and it i mean it just yeah it almost sounds like a no-brainer then when we're sort of talking about it in terms of getting better sort of helping to manage your mental health issues it's, it sounds like you know in order to do that the best thing is to stop smoking I almost couldn't believe it when you sort of said there that um stopping smoking is 
essentially an antidepressant because I think people have the the view that you know stopping smoking is this really difficult thing it's very challenging and you know lots of people sort of stop and start with it and it's for some people it's almost impossible so the idea that that you could have that huge boost to your mental health is fantastic um but what should people realistically expect if and when they do try and quit because I can't imagine it's plain sailing for people no it's it's not and and I think um this is also part of um the support and, and wrap around what's interesting from the insights that we gain is that there's no less desire from people who are experiencing mental ill health and their desire to stop smoking and any other person in the population who is smoking so the desire to stop smoking is the same um, but we do know that people with mental health problems need more support and and i think that goes with an understanding of the vulnerability that, that you're in when you're experiencing poor mental health. It sometimes does take um, serial attempts and those attempts, if they're not successful, can be demoralising. Um, but, but yeah, it's really clear that there are some really well-evidenced um, approaches that we can take to support people uh, to come off smoking and ha- happy to talk those through. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> that would be really great. Um what yeah? What kind of things can people do? And and also just specifically because we are talking about people who um, sort of live with long term mental health issues, but are also smokers. Um, what particular things do they maybe need to bear in mind in terms of medication or support groups or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the first thing to say is I think having some sort of peer. What we're often told is that people. Um, with a really good network of support, making that goal explicit to the people that you trust and 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 that love you, uh, is is really is really important. So a good support network really can help. Uh, there are peer support groups, um, so it's worth looking to see whether there is a smoking cessation peer support group, especially those who are also experiencing poor mental health. That solidarity and uh, understanding between people, I think, is an incredibly powerful mechanism. We, we know um, that that's uh, really powerful for other forms of addiction, um, but also in the recovery journey uh, for many of us who have experienced poor mental health. Um, so one of one of the taboos I, I wanted to to see if we could take on was was that around vaping or e-cigarettes because there's a lot of misinformation about the potential harm of of, of e-cigarettes um, but we do know um, that they are a really effective one of the most effective um, mechanisms to help people stop smoking and and Yvette I think it's important to say it's not just about stopping smoking it's also about reduced smoking because every cigarette that you don't have is one step forward so what we find is that not only do you know double the number of people who have mental health problems smoke but they smoke m- much more intensively so the consequences for their mental and physical health are much greater and much faster so part of the conversation for for us if we're in a situation where we are smoking and struggling with our mental health is trying to get a plan together to say what is realistic and one step on that journey could be reducing the amount you smoke as a pathway to stopping smoking and and uh, vaping and e-cigarettes are, are are a healthier and much safer 
way of helping us to do that. That's really interesting. I, I mean, I was going to bring that up um, and ask you for your thoughts on e-cigarettes and because I wondered if they're, they can still be harmful to mental health. Um, but do you see them as kind of, they can be a tool for people who are currently smoking as a way to sort of taper off? Is that sort of the idea? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, because, you know, it's the um, it's the tar in the the cigarette and the and that is a, a real um when when the, when you burn the cigarette that is is really damaging to your um to your physical health um and yeah the the evidence is really clear um uh, that uh, we 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 can't say that there are no risks but the risks in relation to your physical health and your mental health are, are vastly vastly uh, reduce them. So we want to give people confidence that e-cigarettes are a viable alternative in, in the in the wider plan uh, to stop smoking. And and some people find that they they can. I think one of the really important sort of psychological steps is being uh, really clear on your why. What what your why is? I was talking to someone recently whose journey in terms of their own mental health had been 15 years in the making in terms of uh, recovering from serious mental illness or living with um, mental ill health. And he'd tried to stop smoking for something like eight years. Um, but it, for him, it was really understanding his his motivation. Once he could really be clear on understanding what his goal was he he actually found that he was able to stop smoking but it took him many years but it was it was um that sort of realization and and um, articulation of his motivation which made the difference for uh, for him mm. i suppose I, I suppose just off the top of my head for some people that might be um you know if they've got kids they want to you know live to live longer so they can see their kids grow up i mean that's a very sort of straightforward one i suppose absolutely they have a lot of reasons some some of it may be around weight loss some of it might be appearance sometimes we fi find that in those periods of transition um sometimes you go through uh, a divorce and um that is the impetus uh for change but um yeah it, it it can it can vary but i think for this particular individual it was also about understanding his desire for um managing his mental health in a way that was um, more sustainable for him was going to be more likely if he stopped smoking. And that light bulb went on. It was the transition from seeing smoking as a as a helpful crutch, as a coping mechanism to something that was actually exacerbating something that he um, that, that was causing him distress. So that that was the, the big transition um, for, for him. He, he also said that that physical activity alongside was actually really really helpful um so just building in a walk from from work uh, was um was really was really important mm, i can i'm sure that there's other sort of um things that can help people um manage sort of stress as well because i the way that because i mean i've never been a smoker but i'd imagine if you're doing it because you know you're you're stressed or you're doing it as a sort of so to support you in those times, it's, it's all very well sort of saying, oh, I'm going to give up, but actually it would be useful to sort of come up with some other stress management ideas um, while you're quitting, if that makes sense, I would imagine. Um, 
and for some people yeah I'm sure that is going for a walk but maybe for for others it would be yoga or meditation or um I don't know I I I think I'm very predictable saying ones like that I'm sure there's all kinds of things that, that people find as alternatives right and I, I think that's and actually what we saw during the pandemic is that it set back uh the reduction in smoking quite significantly and without the distraction of other things in life and, and when uh, we were when we were in lockdown we we're now just trying to reckon with the impact it just in relation to smoking because at the, the mental health foundation we did a, a sort of ongoing wave of of um of a study that looked at people's mental health during the pandemic and how they were coping. And we did see that rates, rates of eating too much rates of alcohol, use of alcohol and smoking all increased during the pandemic. And we've started to see um, some, we've got some concerns that we we're seeing mental health trusts renege on their sort of smoke free policy um, as well during the, during the pandemic. And and so it's, it, it, it is interesting how not being connected with others, not being able to get on our on our daily routines, being able to do those communal things like yoga or joining a going whatever it is, going going out with your cycling club or whatever it is. Um, it it definitely wasn't good for healthy behaviours, and part of the consequence of that did have a ripple on in relation to smoking. And we think. Event, that we also know that that has been particularly pronounced in young people and young people in our study were re- consistently saying that they had um, the greatest level of anxiety the greatest level of suicidal ideation um, one of were one of the most were the groups we were most worried about and they are also the groups that have shown an increase in uptick in smoking during the pandemic. So there again, you can see just how linked uh, these two these two issues are, and how we just need to talk a bit more about it. Mm, definitely, that is a real worry to me that young people are sort of starting to to smoke again. Actually, because I've gone through the whole. I, I mean, yeah, like you when I was younger, um, there was a good chunk of friends who did smoke, but then we went through. It seemed like everybody then quit and it just wasn't the done thing. So to think that young people are now smoking again um, is is definitely a worry. If you look at when people start smoking, almost three quarters of people start smoking before the age of 18. So if we're going to really address smoking, having and, and, and prevent people from picking up uh, cigarettes, that's that's the age um, to really look at. And one of the things that we're really keen to see is actually um, a law passed to increase the age of consent for the legal age to smoke from 18 to 21 i think that would be a big step a big step forward um in in terms of uh, trying to get to this smoke-free generation which would be you know a really big achievement um just going back to people who are trying to quit now for stoptober or you know just quitting anytime really um how can friends and family support people with long-term mental health conditions um quit smoking yeah, it's a great question, and Stoptober is 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 brilliant. It's run by run by the government, trying to encourage. You know, um, there's loads of apps, and if you go on the Stoptober website, you can see um, 
the impacts that stopping smoking will have and it would just it, it gives you sort of some it also gives you an app where you can track your progress i think that's uh, really helpful for for many people but here's what here's what someone said to me about kind of here's their their advice of like if you're supporting someone who is trying to give up smoking um, and especially if if they uh, are struggling with their mental health the 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 things are not to say are not to be defeatist and not to be cynical um so um don't say you know that will never work or not not you know not that again um which you know it's just about encouraging people to to be ambitious for their goals in in terms of stopping smoking and ask people the question how can i how can I best support you? Respect the endeavour, admire it, encourage it, and, and and ask people what what you can do to support it because it is a really really courageous thing to do. And um, the more you can do that with other people, the more likely you are uh, to succeed. What advice would you give to someone who is currently struggling to quit? Yeah, it's really it's a really good question. I think the first thing to say is that. Um, you know, shame is such a big driver of poor mental health, and it can also be a really big obstacle to prevent us from um, having of maintaining motivation. So the first thing I'd say is like somehow you have to get to a point where you are self you're giving yourself compassion and that there is a, a sort of an understanding that life isn't easy. And that actually, when you're going through a really difficult period with your mental health, that's it's a really, really hard thing to stop doing something that brings you some relief. So some, you know, some form of self-compassion and understanding rather than um, self-criticism or guilt or, or or being hard on oneself, I think is, is the first is the first step. Um, because that's never worked in any area of life it's, it never works for sustainable change to sort of grind it out through guilt and through um, being being hard on oneself so self-compassion I think is is the starting point and then I, I I think there are there are lots of there is lots of support out there there is we're trying to get greater provision of talking therapies specifically talking um, around smoking and, and mental health and, and there are um, stopping smoking sensation services in local authorities if that's helpful it's worth exploring so just just taking the time and I would just say you know not to try to do it on your own but to draw on the support that is there mm. and I guess the first point of call for people is their GP is that right um, but also places like Stoptober would be able to give you advice as well. Stoptober will 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 give you a really good spread of the the local services in your area. Your GP will know um, what is available, and there's some really fantastic um, pr- provision of services um, that ha- are, have been developed. We've got really great evidence base, um, and, and and so whether it's the technology or whether it's a community service, find out what works. For you and I think everyone will be slightly different, um, but we know that the chances are greater if that endeavour is is shared and supported rather than just left to you know, individual willpower alone. Mm. I really love what you said in there about um, self compassion as well, though. I mean, it, it reminded me of when we've talked to um, addiction experts about alcoholism or, or drug addiction, 
Um, one thing that's always stuck with me that an expert said was that um, relapse is part of recovery. And I think that mindset might help some people if they, they sort of feel like they, you know, they relapse with their smoking. But that doesn't mean that that's the end of the journey. You know, they can still, you might have a blip, but then you can try again. You know, it's um, it's a bit of a journey. It is. It is a real journey. And part of that is accepting that there will be ups and downs and we will stumble and fall and that everybody does. Um, and and I think part of the pain of experiencing poor mental health is also that 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 feeling of feeling I shouldn't be feeling this. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be in this place. And sometimes the despair that comes with feeling like you're back at square one is 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 hugely painful. And as you say, but actually you're never back at square one. You're always you're back in a place that is is new for now. But um, our, our mental health does ebb and flow, and um, it's about recognizing um, that the, the the journey is is never straightforward. But um, yeah, is it, you, you're right. And just really being kind to yourself, I think, if you have a long term mental health issue, because um, yes, yeah, it is so hard to be hard on yourself. But yeah. Just recognizing, you know, you're doing the best you can, I think can really help. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? We've had a really um, helpful chat. I really appreciate your time. Um, is there anything else you'd like to mention? No, just there's loads of um, also really fantastic res- um, resources on the mental health and uh, smoking partnership and with Action on Smoking and Health, who are, are really the, the the leading experts. So if you want to know anything more about the the way in which smoking and mental health is is linked, go to ash.org.uk um, and check out those resources. Go onto the Stop Stoptober site or onto the Mental Health Foundation site as well for support for the mental health. All of that's available. So this is goodbye from mentally If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to our channel and perhaps even go back and listen to some old episodes. We have many of them. Also, you can get in contact with us. We have a lovely Facebook group, which is called Mentally Yours. And we're also on Twitter at MentallyYRS. See you next week. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.